The scripture text this morning is from Matthew 24:37, and I'm going to read it to you from the clear word, which I appreciate. It seems to put it more in today's language. Matthew 24:37, just as the world was in Noah's day, that's how it will be immediately before I come back. That was Jesus talking. So on. Hey, wonderful. Can you hear me now? Maybe a little too live. Morning, church. Morning. Well, before we get started with the before we get started with the message, let's have a word. Of, can you cut this one off, Josh? Let's get started with a word of prayer, shall we? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we open your holy word, I pray, Lord, that you will guide and direct me. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will work through me. Use my lips of clay to deliver your message, Lord, not mine, but yours. And I pray, Lord, that you would open the hearts of the people that they might receive your truth. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Now I'm going to ask you a favor. Can I come down here and, and preach today? Is that going to offend anybody? Okay. <clears throat> Just standing up there, I feel like I'm so far away from you guys. And, and I feel like I'm preaching down at you. And I want to be with you. Amen? I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but it, it, it happened to me again recently. And that is that I was, I was reading uh, a story this, uh, to my daughter, uh, the story of Noah. And all of a sudden, I had this brilliant flash of thought come into my mind. And it wasn't brilliant because it was mine. It, <laughs> Has that ever happened to you? The, the Lord just impresses you with a thought so clearly. And uh, as I was reading that story of Noah, the, the Lord said to me, he said, I want you to preach on that. But I've got a different perspective that I want you to bring um, to the people. So we read in Matthew where Jesus talks about those days. But I want to take you also to the book of Luke, because Luke does a better job than Matthew. So let's go to Luke. Chapter 17. And that children's story just fit perfectly. Isn't that wonderful how the Lord does that? It just fits perfectly with our theme for the day. Luke 17. And we will begin... With verse 23. Well, let's start with verse 22. Luke 17, 22. And he said to his disciples, or to the disciples, The days will come when you will no longer see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. They will say to you, Look there, look there, look here, do not go, and do not run away. Uh, or, or, I'm sorry, run after them. 
For just like the lightning, when it flashes out of one part of the sky and shines to the other part of the sky, so will the Son of Man be in his day. Now, I've used this text so many times in evangelistic series to talk about the second coming of Christ and how it is going to be a literal, visible event. And it's a good text to use for that. It's a good, a good text to use for that. But, and, and, and the point that I bring out is, how many of you have ever seen lightning? Can, can you hide lightning real well? I mean, even if the clouds are, are, are super dark, when the lightning goes off, it, it, it flashes, everybody sees it. But he goes on beyond this. So what, what's the context of what we're talking about? We're talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so he goes on, he says here in verse 25, But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by, his, by this generation. And just as it happened in the days of Noah, so will it also be in the days of the Son of Man. Now I want you to hang on to that because we're going to come back to it in just a minute. They were eating and they were drinking and they were marrying and they were being given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same as it happened in the days of Lot. They were eating and they were drinking and they were buying and they were selling and they were planting, they were building. But on the, on the day that Lot went out, from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. So Jesus makes this analogy between how his return will be and how it was in the times of Noah and Lot. And and I know that I've done this many times when I've thought about this text. My, my thoughts immediately went to, well, what was happening in Noah's time and what was happening in Lot's time? What was the world like? Have you ever, have you ever is that what you've done? I don't know if you've done that, but that's what, that, that's what I've done. Especially when I first uh, came into the church, my, my attention was drawn to, well, what, was, what were those days like? If Jesus says it's going to be um, like those days, then, then we want to know what those days were like. And so we're going to go there. We're going to go take a look at what was happening in Noah's time and what was happening in Lot's time. So let's go to Genesis, back where it all starts, the book of beginnings. Genesis chapter 6. I love that sound, by the way. I only hear that when I preach in Adventist churches. I've had the opportunity to preach in other churches, and I'll say, well, let's turn to so-and-so, and then you can hear crickets. Nobody brought their Bibles. Genesis chapter 6, beginning with verse 5. Well, let's, start, let's go back to, 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 uh, to verse... Um, let's go back to verse 1 first. Now, it came about when man began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men uh, were beautiful. That's, isn't that where a lot of problems begin? Any, any, any parents got teenagers? Are you with me? I was, a, I was a teenage boy before. Okay. And so when, when boys start noticing girls, a lot of problems arise, right? Okay. 
All right, so, so we, we get, we get a, a little picture here. And they took, uh, and they took wives uh, for them, whomever they chose. Then the Lord said, my spirit, listen, my spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. Why, why, why does Moses write this? Why does, he, why does he make a point of bringing out that God will not always strive with man or, or be with him because he's flesh, and that his days would only be 120? How many days did people live? You have to remember that up until the flood, people lived to be almost 1,000 years old. Methuselah, 979 years. Now that's a big cut, isn't it? So why such a dramatic change? Why such a dramatic change in lifespan from 900 plus years down to 120? What was going on with humanity in that time? The Nephilim, this is verse 4, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, who of, were, were men of renown. Then we get to verse 5. Now I want you to pay close attention to why God needed to cut humanity's days short. Verse 5. Then the Lord saw the wickedness. The what? I'm, I'm sorry, the what? The wickedness, the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. Wow. Did you hear that? Now, Luke brought out that Jesus said that in his, the days of his return, that it would be like the days of Noah. Now, I've been paying attention to current events. I don't know if you have or not. But it seems to me that those days are here. Men are devising ways to commit evil. Their hearts just seem full of it. Their minds find new ways of committing sin. Create new sins, if you will. So their hearts were wicked, evil, continually. And every thought, every thought and imagination was wickedness. The Lord was sorry. Listen to these words. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. They broke the heart of the Lord. They broke the heart of the Lord. You know, sometimes that sounds what what happens to some of us parents with our children. We do our best. We put forth every effort we we have, every energy, all of our all of our time and, and effort into raising them, but sometimes they they don't follow that leading. They go out 
and they break our hearts. Well, God knows that pain. He knows that anguish. You're not alone in it. Then the Lord says this. I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land. From man to animals to creeping things and to the birds of the sky. For I am sorry that I have made them. Wow. That's harsh. It's difficult to believe that a loving Heavenly Father, and He is, would come to the point where He feels that this is the only thing that He can do. Now, if, if that had been true of all of humanity, we, would, we wouldn't be here today. Do you realize that? I don't know if you realize, but every person sitting here today and every inhabitant of the face of the earth is a descendant from Noah. Why? Why is that true? Because of this next verse. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Isn't that good news? Wouldn't you like that to be said of yourself? You know, the Lord is still looking to and fro on the earth. And he's looking to see if there's any righteous left. You know why? Because he loves us and he wants us to be found righteous. And he sent Jesus to make that possible. He wants to find righteous, uh, righteousness present. Noah was a righteous, this is verse 9, Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. You know, that sounds reminiscent of another person. Earlier in Genesis, he walked with God. His name was Enoch. And the Lord just, he just kept right on walking. Amen? I wish we were all there. I wish that we were walking so closely with the Lord that we were oblivious to the world around us and, and, and we would just ascend like Enoch and find ourselves looking around saying, well, Lord, thank you for bringing me to heaven. I was so engrossed in my conversation and my, my love with you that I didn't realize that you'd taken me up. So we see, do you see, are you seeing the contrast between the world and the righteous, the unrighteous and the righteous, the world and God's chosen people? Well, that wasn't the only contrast that Jesus was painting. If you go to Genesis chapter 13, Genesis chapter 13, so the, the, two, the two biblical characters that, that Jesus mentions was Noah, and the next one was Lot. So let's take a look at things that were transpiring in Lot's day. 
And where did Lot live, by the way? He lived in the city of Sodom. And its sister city was Gomorrah. So we're going to talk about what was transpiring uh, before he ends up there, though. You see, before he ends up in that land, he was living in a land called Ur of the Chaldees, modern-day Iraq. And so God calls his uncle, named Abram, to leave. To leave there and go where he doesn't know. I'll tell you on the way. How many of you would would be eager to go on a trip like that? Pack up your stuff, we're going. Where are you going? Where where are we going? Uh, I don't know, I'll tell you on the way. That'd make me a little anxious, wouldn't it? Would it make you that, that feel a little anxious about maybe where you were going? But Abram says, yeah, okay. Lord, if, if you're sending me, I'll go. And it doesn't matter where it's at. Isn't that a lovely thing? Isn't that, isn't that the way God wants us to be, ready to go wherever he sends us? And I can't help but think about that, that hymn, I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. I'll say what you want me to say. Well, that was the case with Abram, and, 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 and his nephew, Lot, goes along with him. So they leave the land of Ur, and they start this journey. And there's a, some pit stops on the way. But they get to the promised land that God promised to them. And one of the first things that I want to, to help you think about that, that's brought out in the spirit of prophecy is that a, a, Abram, before he becomes Abraham, Abram sets up, one of the first things he does is sets up an altar. And he worships God when he gets there. Isn't that awesome? Was Abram's heart in the right place? Now, if you know anything about Abram and uh, later Abraham's life, you know that he wasn't a perfect character, right? Isn't that what's nice about the, the Bible characters? They're real. God was keeping it real, as they say, right? So we don't have these, we don't have these flawless characters. We, we see people struggling with their spiritual journey. And Abram did that from time to time. So he gets to this place with his nephew Lot. And they set up camp there, and they're there for, for a while. And their numbers become too great. God blesses Abraham. And he ends up with a lot of servants. He ends up with a lot of sheep and other, and other uh, creatures. And their numbers become too large to support them all where they're at. I see Walter nodding his head in, in agreement. If you've ever lived on a farm, you understand that you can only have so many cows in the pasture or sheep or whatever it is that you're, whatever critters you got. So they come to a point where they decide that they're going to divide. Now, Abram is, or Abraham is Lot's uncle. So he's older, right? 
And especially in the Middle East, uh, people are, are, are taught to respect their elders. So when it comes to this division, the person who should have had the right to choose first would have been Abraham. But listen, listen to what happens. Abraham, you see, loved his nephew Lot very dearly. So in verse 8 of chapter 13, it's, uh, the Lord's word says this. So Abraham said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me, nor between my husbandmen or you, and your husbandmen, for we are brothers. We're both brothers in the faith. Amen? Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If to the left, then I will go to the right. If it is to the right, then I will go to the left. Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the valley of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. Now you you would think, you would think, that since Abraham, the older, who had the right to choose first, was offering it to Lot, that Lot would take that into consideration. And he would say, you know, I'm going to be very considerate of my uncle, and I'm not going to choose what I think is the best part. I'm going to leave that for him. But where was Lot's heart? Lot's heart wasn't the same as Abram. Lot's heart was a little different. He looks out over the land, and he sees where it would be difficult to herd the animals and to, and to prosper. And then he sees over towards Sodom, he sees the valley, he sees the river running through it, he sees the, the plush pastures full of, full of vi- vibrancy and life. And so that's what he chooses. Was that a wise choice? No, it wasn't a wise choice. It's not always that that appears good that's best. You see, the, the devil has a very good way of dressing things up and offering them to us. But we've really got to look a little better, I think, with different eyes. What is it that the Lord wants for us? Not so much what do I want, but what does God want? You know, and if Lot would have remained faithful, you see, I believe um, the spirit of prophecy tells us, and I believe this to be true, that Lot also worshipped at that same altar that Abraham erected. He was a believer. So if, if Lot had gone to Sodom and Gomorrah and remained faithful to the Lord and witnessed about the one true God, maybe the account that we're looking at would, would have gone much differently. Perhaps it would have been that we wouldn't have been reading about Lot and thinking about the destruction of Gomorrah, but the, the, the saving of the cities. Amen? So what happens? This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah like the garden of uh, the Lord. So we're talking about the garden of Eden. Like the land of Egypt uh, as you go to Zoar. So Lot chose for himself all the valley of the Jordan and Lot journeyed eastward. Thus they separated from each other. Now I want you to fast forward with me just a, just a few pages. 
We're going to go to, we're going to leap forward to um, chapter 18. And uh, in the interim between that point when Lot and Abraham separated and the point that we're at now, what transpired was that the Lord came and visited Abraham and told him that he was going to destroy the city the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And so we're going to see now Abraham's heart when it comes to things. So in verse 20, the Lord says this, and he says, The Lord said, The outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great, and their sin is exceedingly grave. So how were things going there in Sodom and Gomorrah? Not good. Now I don't want to. I don't want to really get into uh, because we have we have some very young children here, uh, some details about what was happening there. But it was very debased. Let's just put it that way, and depraved. And they were they were doing things that it's easy to say that the you know that the Lord would have been exceedingly sorry. Uh, for for having allowed this to happen too. So he goes on to say that uh, in verse 23, Abraham came near and said to the Lord, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Where's, Where's Abraham's heart? Wasn't it still with his nephew Lot? You know, even after Lot had gone down to the city, the the kings had a war. And Abraham came and rescued his nephew Lot. And he still went back to the city. And all of its wickedness. The Lord tells us that, uh, you know, if we're like, like sin, we, we are like dogs. We return to our vomit. That seems to remind me of, of what Lot was doing. He, he got out, God got him out of Sodom and Gomorrah, one time. It was through captivity, and then he was freed by his uncle. He could have easily said, uncle, it's not working out there in Sodom and Gomorrah. That place is a wicked place. I need to get out of there. Can I come back? But he didn't do that. Where did he return? Well, that's my home. I think his wife maybe had something to do with that. Did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. <clears throat> so verse 24, he starts negotiating. Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you indeed sweep, away, uh, sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous who are in it? He's calling the Lord out on the carpet. Wow. That's, that's, that takes a brave man, don't you think? But is he right? Is he right? Should the Lord be concerned for the, for the righteous? Is he going to be concerned for the righteous when he comes again in the clouds of glory? Even though I've heard a lot of, uh, of, of Adventist folks talk about, well, I hope the Lord puts me to sleep so I don't have to go through the time of trouble. Shame on you. Yeah, you may be tired. Yeah, it's going to be bad. But the Lord is going to preserve you. 
I want to be in the art club. You might say, well, what's the art club? Alive and remain until his coming. Amen? You want to be in the art club with me? There's going to be some spectacular, marvelous things that the Lord is going to do before he returns in the clouds of glory that only those who are in the art club will be able to share with the rest of those that are saved. It's going to be glorious. The Lord is going to work mightily. So he starts negotiating there. And then he goes a little further with the Lord, and he says in, in, in verse 28, you know, suppose the 50 righteous are lacking, five. Will you destroy the whole city because of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. Now, Abram could have been, or Abraham could have been very tempted to go, okay, well, we can, we'll, we'll stop there. We'll get you down to 45. But he doesn't. He presses on. Well, Lord, what if there's 40? Will you destroy the whole place for 40? No, I won't destroy the whole place for 40. But what, and then he starts thinking, hmm, maybe Lot didn't do a, such a good job with evangelizing the city. Maybe there's not 40. Lord, how about 20? How about 20? Will you, will you settle for 20? Is that, is that good? No, I won't destroy it if there's 20. And then maybe Abraham thought maybe a little further. What if Lot's family is the only one? God forbid that it's only Lot's family. How about 10, Lord? How about 10? Will you, will you destroy the place if, if there's 10 righteous there? By the way, for those of you who are familiar with this story, how many ended up coming out of the city? You had Lot, his wife, and his two daughters. And then make ten. And then the, the wife later turns and ends up being destroyed along with the city. So you end up really with only three. That's pretty sad. A whole city full of, full of souls. Lot could have been listed where we're going to go next. Let's go to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. 11. Okay, so let's pick up in verse 7, Hebrews 11, verse 7. The Lord says these words. He says, by faith, by what? Faith. Being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. And then, in verse 8, or I'm sorry, by verse 
Lost my spot here for a second. Hang on. Oh, here it is. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> verse, yeah, verse 8. So, by faith, Abraham. By what? Faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he uh, was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. So, the Lord says that in the last days, just prior to his return, that it will be like the days of Noah and the days of Lot. And uh, the message today, my friends, is to, is to help you understand that God is not asking us to look at the world around us and be discouraged by what's happening, but to follow the examples of Abraham and Noah and by faith trust what the Lord is telling us. To hold fast to our faith in the time of trouble. To not look at the destruction of the wicked or to their example, but to the examples of the great people of faith that God has sent out before us and to follow their example. So let's not look to the unrighteous when we think about the days of Noah and the days of Lot. But let's look to the righteous, shall we? And follow their example. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are faced in these days, the days just prior to your return, with a time of trouble that is greater than ever was. Lord, let us not focus on, on that. But by faith, look beyond that, Lord, just as Noah and Abraham did. And by faith, trust you and your word to carry us through. And to save us not from the fire, Lord, but in it. To fa- fa- save us not from the flood, but to take us through it. So we pray for your presence. We pray for your power. We pray that we too will be found faithful. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen.